and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. Uh, this is Alex LaHue and um, I'm here with Dylan Becker. We're here today to talk about God's Word because we believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith. And one of the best ways to do this is talk about Scripture. So we're here to encourage one another on our journey to spiritual maturity. As a Messiah family, we are going through this five minutes a day Bible plan for the span of three years. We're just wanting to encourage one another and learn some things. And this is about asking the hard questions, not shying away from any of that. And so we might ask uh, some interesting questions today. We might not have some answers and some things we might be able to answer. We'll see. But as always, this is an ongoing process. So Dylan, let's learn a little bit about you before we jump into things. Who are you? Where do you come from, and how long have you been around here at Messiah? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Dylan Becker. I'm originally from Bastrop, and uh, we are we have been in the Fair Oaks area for about two years now, and have been part of the Messiah f- family officially for I don't know maybe four months, but we've been attending attending regularly for about a year. Um, my wife and I are recently married as of October 19th. Nice. Yeah. So very good. We're excited. We're growing, uh, in our faith together, um, under the Messiah umbrella. And we're really excited to be involved in things such as this and just continue to grow our spiritual, uh, well-being. And you told me that you received a gift at your wedding or upon your marriage. It was a marriage Bible? Yes, it was a marriage Bible given to us by Abby's aunt at a a bridal shower, I believe. And so that's actually what I used to prepare for this today. Okay. So um, tell us about a marriage Bible and what does it have in it? (laughs) (laughs) I can't take you seriously. (laughs) You don't need to. He he's wonder he he thinks he can't take me seriously. So any of you that know me here at Messiah know that that is a struggle for many people, not just Dylan. Okay. <laughs> so marriage Bible. Okay. Uh, marriage Bible is just basically a regular Bible, and then it has little um, you know side notes, footnotes on how that it can can apply to your marriage and uh, use God's word to strengthen your relationship with your spouse. I'm curious what notes on marriage there were for the book of Numbers. So I didn't dive into the the footnotes on the book of Numbers in preparation for this. I wanted to be sure that everything I was reading, I was comprehending on the, a scripture basis and not what the author of that marriage Bible said it had to relate to marriage. So, uh, But I can let you know on Sunday. Yeah, you should let me know, and maybe we can uh, figure that out at the end of this podcast. That'd be awesome. So, all right, awesome. Good to uh, have you with us today, Dylan. Um, today we're going to cover the readings from April 11th through 17th, and this covers Numbers chapter 15 through 22. There is one day where you're uh, you're supposed to read two chapters at a time, so that's eight chapters total. Um, But just to review um, briefly, the book of Numbers um, is is called Numbers because that's the Greek name of the Greek translation of the Old Testament because of the census or I don't know the plural version of the word census, but anyway. Senses. Sense sensei? <laughs> Anyways, there are a couple maybe censuses. <laughs> There's 
a census that happens many different times. There we go. Yes. And that's why it it's often gets the name numbers, but the Hebrew name for it, which is the original name is Ba Midbar, which means in the wilderness, because this book is all about Israel's wilderness journeys. In chapters one to ten, they're at Mount Sinai. From chapters ten to twelve, they are traveling. Chapters eleven and nineteen, they're in the wilderness of Paran. They travel from chapters 20 to 21, and then in chapter 22 to 36, they are in a place called Moab, which is right across the Jordan River from the Promised Land. Um, So, it's important to note that they were in the wilderness of Paran, and then they were traveling, and we end our podcast, our discussion today, when they get to Moab. So, that's going to be important to keep in mind as we go along. So, Um, In chapter 14, right before this section that we're discussing, Israel has refused to undertake the conquest of the land of Canaan, the promised land. So then God says only their children would enter the promised land. And for them, they would wander in the wilderness and the desert for 40 more years. After 40 years, all the, the old generation will have died off. And only the children plus Jacob and Caleb will be able to go into the promised land. But because they refused to go into the promised land the first time, because they were scared, um, they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 more years. So chapter 15 begins some laws about something. So Dylan, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so it starts off um, just kind of listing some laws um, in, in various ways, but uh, one of which was a man getting stoned for breaking the Sabbath. Sabbath, uh, and we'll get into why more here in a little bit. Yeah, because, don't pick up sticks on the Sabbath, man. Yeah, no, no stick picking up. Uh, <laughs> and and Sundays, you know, are usually when I do yard work, so that's a good excuse to get out of that. Uh, well, you have survived so far. Yes, so that's a good thing. Well, thank thank Jesus for that. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, moving into chapter 16, uh, Korah and men rebel. They get swallowed up. Um, Their whole household gets swallowed up. Um, It's kind of an interesting deal there. Um, Korah didn't agree with Moses and Aaron being appointed as leaders. They kind of had this rebellious attitude that, hey, why why do y'all feel like you're more holy than us? We are all the holy people. Mm. And um, that didn't turn out so well for them. That did not. No. No. Uh, 17, um, Aaron's staff buds showing his authority. God, um, basically placed his authority to Aaron, Mm -hmm. um, in this time of kind of trial and who's going to be the leader and, uh, just continue to show his, um, favor upon Aaron. Um, then you move into 18 where the priests and the Levites are appointed, um, that's a pretty interesting chapter there, and I actually have some questions to move in uh, into that chapter with you on. Uh, 19. He's flipping his pages yes. very carefully. So moving on to chapter 19, uh, it's basically about purification. There's some interesting uh, laws there that uh, we go into, and I have some questions certainly about that. And as we move forward, you go into 20, 
where uh, the water from the rock comes. You have, um, again, the Israelites questioning where they're at and why they're there. They're hungry and thirsty. So uh, Moses wants to please the people and comes out and basically turns a a rock into a spring um, just to gain the trust of his people. Uh, You also have the death of Aaron there on Mount Or. Uh, which we can talk about as we get into this more. Chapter 21, uh, you have the bronze snake, which yep. we uh, you know, learn about the, the people were not pleasing to God, and um, they were basically getting eaten up by venomous snakes. Mm-hmm. So they come to you know, ask Moses for help and commit themselves to him and his journey, and, and the bronze snake basically saves them from that terror. Um, and then chapter 22, they get into Moab, and uh, the neighboring king there is concerned with their power because they've basically demolished everyone that's gotten in mm-hmm. their way up to this point. So he seeks out a prophet to uh, dwindle them and, and curse them to uh, make them a little easier uh, adversary. Um, so that's where we end, uh, kind of at the gates of Moab and, and right across the, the river from where they're wanting to be eventually. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. Is there anything in particular that stood out to you um, in reading this passage? So there were a lot of things. uh, And when we first came in here before we were on air, uh, I had asked if I should feel bad about saying this. But um, going going to the beginning and, and talking about the tithings, and I can try to find what chapter it was in. Uh, I think probably chapter 18, um, 18 or 19, possibly. But talking about the tithings and basically how, um, you know, you have to show your sacrifice. And a lot of this is about sacrifice um, and your first fruits, whether it be grain or wine or berries, whatever it is that is your best. You give your first first of what you have to offer to the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, to God. And uh, what... What intrigued me, and I think you see it with the rebellion, is that uh, in that time where your people have been deemed holy, but you have two people that are leading you, Moses and Aaron and Eleazar, who are you know, saying that they're holier or that they have at least a very close relationship with God, and, and they're the ones that are uh, being talked to by God to lead the Israelites to where they need to go. And, uh, the Israelites are, you know, probably already pretty poor at this point and don't have a lot, but they're still offering their tithings to the, to God. But then you have these leaders who are able to basically eat and drink of the tithes. And, uh, I think that would be only root cause for rebellion. So that was one thing that kind of caught me off guard or just like, if I was an Israelite in that time, mm-hmm. giving my very best of my hard work and harvest and seeing these two guys just eating and drinking it and, you know, enjoying it, uh, it'd be kind of tough probably for me to believe. In yeah, that. sure. Um, I think that's a good question. And uh, there is a section at the end of chapter 18. I think it's verse 28. It says, um, So you shall also present a contribution to the Lord from all your tithes, which you receive from the people of Israel. And from it, you shall give 
the Lord's contribution to Aaron the priest. So Aaron is the high priest. He's, you know, the head priest. Mm -hmm. And there are a bunch of other people under him. His sons are priests as well. But then there are the rest of the tribe of Levi. And those are the Levites. And they are in charge of everything with having to do with the sacrifices, the tabernacle. So there is a hierarchy within the tribe of Levi, with Aaron being the high priest over all of that. So yes, the tribe of Levi is receiving a lot of um, Israel's tithes. Um, there are some of the animal sacrifices that aren't meant to be eaten, um, and I can't I can't remember where I saw that, but um, I believe there are some that. Um, weren't uh, meant to be eaten. Um, but anyways, there was uh, part of part of the contributions that they received, they were also supposed to contribute and give up some of them. And, and so there is, you know, that aspect of it as well. The, the Levites and the priest are also meant to give their contribution and their tithe uh, as well. But, it, it, you know, it makes sense. Like, and I think that, kind of goes along with why, you know, maybe Korah and other people were rebelling because mm -hmm. they didn't like the fact that Moses and Aaron, oh, you think you're holier than us or whatever it is. And uh, you're, you've been a appointed over us. Of course, they weren't even thinking that. They were just thinking, like, why do you two get to be leaders over us? Why do you get to, um, you know, be walking with God and, and telling us what to do or whatever that is. And so oftentimes that can be very hard for us to, you know, accept, I think. I think it can be hard for us to accept the way that God goes about doing things, but yet he appoints people in certain positions and he calls us to obey that authority. And so God is is teaching the people you know, especially in chapter 17, before this happens, you know, Aaron's staff buds and even, you know, amongst all the other staffs of the leaders of each of the tribes. Mm -hmm. And so that shows that God has appointed Aaron as the priest, as the representative for God's people to God. And so they are to obey his authority because it is the authority of God himself. So, yeah, and I... I was battling with this all day today. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't like to question what you're reading. Right. Um, but I think it's probably a natural thing that happens yep. and kind of battling all day with it in my head. And I was talking to my brother-in-law about it and he made a kind of a good comment saying it could have been God putting them in that situation mm -hmm. because it's harder to give to another man. Like, Oh, God wants us to give to him and, and to sacrifice to him and, and show, you know, our favor to him. Right. And, you know, it'd be real easy to dump it in a river or something saying, I'm giving this to God. And, yeah. But it's a lot harder to take what you're earning and, and trust in God's word right. and, and what he's telling you to do and give it to another person. Right. So, I mean, I think there's some like, you know, it's harder to give to other humans than it would right. be to give to God. So I think that could be, you know, at play there too. And how, is Aaron and the Levites, how are they going to eat if their job is serving the Lord? So um, right. they're not out there farming or right. being blacksmiths. So right. they have to have some, some form of way to, to live and continue to serve, right. serve God. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, it's also important to note that, like, you know, Aaron and and the the rest of the priest and and Levites, you know, they weren't meant to abuse these laws. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I believe if I can remember way back when um, we recorded this section in like uh, Leviticus or maybe it was in Leviticus where uh, Aaron's some of Aaron's sons violate their priestly laws and they end up getting killed um, on the spot because of their their violation. And so, you know, God is taking, you know, God wants people to take his word seriously. And I think that's kind of a common theme here. He wants them to respect his authority. And God likes to work through his people. He likes to work through humans to uh, to speak and communicate and accomplish his will. And he is a good steward of, of what he's, you know, of his, his good gifts. And I guess if, you know, like he's not just going to make somebody go and make a sacrifice and just throw it into the river and waste it. Mm-hmm. He's not being wasteful with what he's given to the people. And at the same time, you know, um, all of it belongs to God anyway. And he's the one that brought them out of the land of Egypt. And if you, you think about it in that way, you know, it all belongs to God anyway. And yet he's just giving what we have is just what he's gifted us with. And so giving him the very best of what we have, it doesn't belong to us anyways. Um, and so I think by doing that, he's, he's teaching his people what he wants them to believe yeah, that's so. very well said. You you mentioned the Leviticus reading where people were uh, killed for not following God's law. So let's transition that into <laughs> someone getting stoned for picking <laughs> up sticks. Yes, there is a guy. We'll call him St- Stick Guy. Stony. Stony. Yeah, I guess we could because he gets <laughs> stoned. But <laughs> he's playing, Stoney is playing pickup sticks yes. on the Sabbath, which was a Saturday for them. Okay. Um, not a Sunday. Um, but uh, anyway, so he is picking up sticks on the Sabbath. And so then they take him into custody and uh, they're waiting for God to tell them, uh, Aaron and Moses, they're waiting for God to tell them what to do with him. And God says, gather the people around the whole congregation and stone him outside the camp. And so the whole congregation, the assembly, uh, you know, they go outside the camp of Israel, which would have been a long walk by the way. Um, cause there's a lot of people gathered around and, um, they stone him. So what are some questions that you have? What, what thoughts pop into your mind when you're, you saw this, this account. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it just kind of goes to show that there is no way we could ever please God and, mm-hmm. and, and how he kind of had it laid out in the Old Testament right. and his laws. And I think when sin entered this world, we were pretty much doomed. Right. Um, and ultimately, without Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins, we would have no chance of making it. And I mean, you think about picking up sticks on the Sabbath as just a very minor violation. And I probably did 15 things worse than that today. And, you know, Mm. just 
just things that you um you're thankful for for not being in that time right because i i definitely wouldn't be here any longer um and just you know thank god seriously for you know being able to sacrifice his son for us and um that would be real tough to be back then uh yeah well i i think what you what you said thank jesus was actually really profound because it points to Jesus as the ultimate fulfiller of all of these laws. So Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So he didn't do away with the laws of, of, of resting. Mm -hmm. And it's really about um, what God is wanting to give to us through his law, which is telling us trust in me by not working and just resting. Trust me to take care of creation. Trust in me to provide for you by simply not doing anything out of your own abilities for one day. And trust me to take care of you on all of the other days. Um, and that's what he's saying. And Stony over here is not doing that. Right. Um, now, I don't know. I think a little more optimistically of you, Dylan. And I think that if you saw Stoney die, you probably would have stopped <laughs> thinking about picking up sticks on the Sabbath. I know it's tempting, but um, something to interesting that uh, worth looking at is that in the section right before this uh, really crazy story is um, a section on what to do about unintentional sins. So how to atone for uh, and sacrifice for unintentional sins. You, you sin, and then later on you realize, oh my goodness, I sinned. Nowadays, what we do is we ask God to forgive us. We say, you know, oh my goodness, God, please forgive me. Or we also go to that person and say, hey, I didn't realize this, but um, I didn't mean to do this, but I know that this was something that was wrong against you, and I'm so sorry. You know, that's a way that we, you know, the blood of Jesus covers us today. Um, and so this was just God's way of giving them that forgiveness, that grace and that mercy for things that they, oh my goodness, I unintentionally did that. Now, the story about the guy who gets killed on because of he, he was picking up sticks on the Sabbath, that comes after the unintentional sin section. Mm -hmm. And so it leads me to believe that his sin was not unintentional. That's the question that comes up with uh, different people sometimes. Did he mean to pick up sticks on the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath laws were laid out very, very clearly. And so I'm led to believe that he was doing it as an intentional, purposeful thing. And he, he was like, eh, it's, it's no big deal. And so God, you know, made it clear that it is a big deal. And actually, like I mentioned earlier, it would have been a long walk to get outside the camp. And the way the camp was set up was that the tabernacle was in the middle of the camp. So that's where God's presence was residing. And that's where the Levites were living, right around the tabernacle so they could do all their duties and stuff. And then you had the other uh, tribes panning out from that. So it was kind of like a big cross or circle maybe, um, but everything, however it was formed, everything is coming out of the tabernacle. And so their dwelling, their camping is centered around the presence of God. And so when this guy is being cut off, 
um, from the people, he is being taken farthest away from the presence of God. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing because the Sabbath rest is meant to be something that invites us into God's presence, Mm -hmm. whereas this man was violating that. And so he was taken away from God's presence. And when you talk about being cut off, we're talking there about the unintentional sinner. Right. Well, in verse 30, it says, but the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Mm -hmm. Lord, and that person shall be cut off. So that's saying the person who doesn't sin unintentionally. Okay. So, you know, it's talking about a bunch of unintentional sins, and then it's saying, but the person who does this in a purposeful, prideful way, like, mm-hmm. I don't really care kind of way, that person is going to be cut off. So that leads me to believe that Stoney was uh, not just making a mistake. He was, well, he wasn't doing it accidentally. Right. He was uh, playing pickup sticks and seeing what he could get away with. Um, yeah. So from it, from this section, a big takeaway from me was just fearing God. Yeah. And man, this guy's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we, I don't think of it day to day as like a fear of God because I, f- I feel like, you know, Jesus came and. Right. As long as we're trying to live the right way and you know doing doing the right things as Christians, that we should be okay getting into heaven. But having that fear of God, I think, will light a fire under you to walk a straighter path. And that's not something that's always, at least for me, on the front of my mind, as a, a, a true fear of God. And well, if I don't if I don't do this, it's not just okay. Right. Um, because like you said, Jesus came to fulfill the laws, not to abolish them. Yeah. And so there's still that, that code that we need to, to live by. Right. And having that fear of God to, to keep us straight on it. Yeah. I think, you know, God definitely, as followers of Jesus, he wants us to follow him and, and do what he wants. And we call that God's will. And, um, but he, through Jesus, we have grace. So it's nothing that we do. Um, our salvation isn't reliant upon how much we follow God's law. And that's the really good thing. Mm-hmm. That's why earlier you were like, thank Jesus, you know, because if we do, because of Jesus, the the ultimate punishment, all of God's wrath has been placed on him, was placed on him on the cross. And Jesus said it is finished. So if you do violate the Sabbath, um, but if you, if you do lack trust in God by becoming a workaholic, that would be a modern uh, example of, in my opinion, violating the Sabbath because you're not trusting God to provide for you and you're, you're taking away from your other vocations besides being um, a worker at a company or whatever it is. Um, you're missing out on family time or time with your friends or being a witness to those around you or whatever it is. Um, if you're doing something like that, you have grace in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we, you know, keep going, that we go on sinning. We definitely, like, hold each other accountable and, you know, point things out and, you know, help each other along. But that's why we have the community of believers. Um, but I, it definitely comes down to the grace of Jesus and just relying on that and knowing that God's not looking to, like, trick us. 
or like wait for us to mess up. He's not that kind of God. Um, and he shows that by giving us Jesus um, and, and placing all the punishment on him. He's a God who wants to give us grace. And actually, that's something that stood out to me that gave me great hope in this uh, section of Scripture is um, how often Moses is pleading for the people. He's, he, God is like, I'm going to swallow these people up. And Moses is like, hold on a minute. And um, as soon as after Korah's rebellion, there are a bunch of people who start rebelling about that, thinking Moses and Aaron, they died because of you. And uh, immediately this plague just instantly starts killing people off in the camp. And Moses tells Aaron, you need to go take this incense or, or something like that, and you need to take it out into the camp to stop this plague from happening. And, it, you know, he stops it from happening, but 14,700 people die. Um, and that, but it shows God's willingness and his mercy and he uses Moses often as an agent for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really plays out in chapter 21 with the story of the bronze serpent. Um, so let's talk about that for a moment. Um, that's kind of the hopeful part. It definitely um, ties into Jesus on the cross uh, a lot and, you know, people looking to Jesus and he's the one who heals us. So let's talk about that connection for a moment. Um, Let's review the the story of the bronze serpent. What what's happening here in this in this story? So, the people once again were not too happy with having traveled all this time and covering all these miles and basically living like peasants and not being fed well and you know just just journeying this long journey. Um, so, if you look here. Uh, Verse 5, they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Uh, So then the Lord goes on to send venomous snakes upon them because they're basically questioning God's will. And um, Again. Again, right. You would think they learn after their friends get swallowed up in Didn't the earth. Didn't learn from Stony. No, Stony or Cora. Cora, none of them. Yeah. So they're they're saying it again, um, and maybe this is why it's taking so long because they got to weed out the weak until <laughs> and, until God knows uh, He's got people that really believe in Him to take them to the promised land. Maybe. So anyway, they send these venomous snakes upon them and. Um, People all of a sudden realize, oh, hey, we shouldn't have rebelled. Mm. Uh, Moses, please, you know, pray pray to God to have him stop this madness. Everybody's yeah. dying. Um, so which is what's interesting, and, and we can kind of picture what a bronze snake looks like yeah. um, put up on a pole. Uh, but you have this old time, you know, in the wilderness deal and, and all of a sudden a bronze snake is erected on a pole standing up as a symbol of um, God's favor taking away the pain of his people mm. by by mounting the serpent on a pole and rising right. it above them um, and I think you we've discussed a little bit about uh, Jesus and and the comparison that you can draw from this book into right. uh, God's sacrifice to Jesus or God's sacrifice of his only son, uh, Jesus, who 
eventually was hung up on a pole right. um, on the cross for us, and the symbolism can be foreshadowed there. Yeah. Um, and and so once they erect this serpent, all the snakes die, and yep. uh, the people are relieved of their terrors. Yeah, and uh, it definitely relates to Jesus because, you know, Jesus is the one lifted up on uh, a wooden cross. It's not a—it's it's kind of like a wooden pole, but, a you know, a different— way of, uh, you know, kind of the formation of uh, the wooden beams uh, in the shape of a cross. And we look to Jesus, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to forgive the sins that we can't get rid of, to forgive, um, the to take on the punishment for us because we can't do any of that ourselves and uh, it's by only by Jesus's grace that we are that we are saved and that we are healed of our sinful condition uh, just like it's only by looking at this thing that God gives them it's only by God's grace that they are healed yeah I think in it's in imp- wilderness I think it's important to point out that you know the people that were bit by these snakes and afflicted, were also healed because, you know, it's not like, you know, this bronze serpent was mounted on this pole and the snakes died and like, Hey, if you got bit before this, sorry. Mm. Um, he's actually, if you want to say forgiving or taking away that affliction from the people who had been bitten by these serpents or had been, you know, touched by Satan, um, and a negative impact. So it says here, uh, verse eight, The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Not only is he going to get rid of these snakes, um, but he's also going to help those who have already been affected by it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So that gives us uh, a lot of hope. Reminds us of uh, Jesus, Moses interceding for the people, and also this bronze serpent and, and God just giving you know, his grace, his, uh, to the people and just continuing to stick with them throughout this whole time. Um, so anyways, we're going to take a a break and we'll be back in a little bit. Hey, welcome back to Grow Up and Talk. We were um, just getting ready to dive a little bit deeper into chapter 22. Uh, Dylan, you had a particular question uh, in chapter 22 that you had uh, talked to me about, and then we had to look something up about it. So you want to tell our listeners what that question was about. Yeah, so in chapter 22, uh, Balak... Uh, the king of the um, territory across from where the Israelites at that time, yep. he was worried about the Israelites' presence and kind of the threat that they were mm-hmm. posing to him. So he summoned a prophet named Balaam, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Balaam, Balaam, Balaam tomato, Balaam, tomato. Yeah, so Balaam uh, summons him uh, the first time and says, you know, I know that you're very close with God and Balaam, Bal- <laughs> Balami, <laughs> Salami. 
Balaam. We'll go with that. Okay. All right. So he summons Balaam and basically says, uh, hey, I want you to put a curse on these Israelites because they've destroyed everyone that they've gone through on their path to what they think is their promised land. And uh, we're right in the way. So, you know, we want to fight them and battle them, but we'd like them to have a depleted force when we do so. So can we, can you please curse them? So Balaam goes and prays to God. Um, and, uh, God tells him, absolutely not. These yep. are my people. You're not going to curse them. They're, you know, they're untouchable. You can, you cannot do that. So <clears throat> Balaam tells King Balak, uh, of Moab, God told me, no, can't do it. Sorry. And so Balak, the king, continues to pester Balaam, saying, hey, why aren't you coming? You know, I really need you to do this. I'll give you all the gold and riches of my house, and you you will be set for life. Anything you ask will be done for you. Um, all I need you to do is curse these people. And so again, uh, and and the prince or servants of Balak the king were actually sent to Balaam uh, because they didn't have cell phones back then. So mm-hmm. all this communication <laughs> is is you know through other people. So they're they're there talking to this prophet saying you know please come and hear uh, verse sixteen chapter twenty two. This is what Balak's son of Zippor says: Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people. And then 18 says, but Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now stay here tonight as the others did, and I will find out what else the Lord will tell me. So basically invites them to to kind of stay, whether it's in his house or in the area, whatever, to to stick around because he has a feeling God might, might give him a little bit information of what he should do in this time. So that night, God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. So this is the second coming of God to Balaam. Mm -hmm. The first time, God tells him, absolutely not. Yep. Got it. But then the second time, God says, Okay, you can go with them, but you only do what I tell you to do. Okay. So. And then what happens? So Balaam saddles up his old donkey. (laughs) <laughs> and starts riding into town. And there weren't any palm branches on this one. No. God is furious. Okay. And he stops him on his way. And, um, you know, you can continue to read. But Then we got Shrek yes. at play. Talking donkey and all that. <laughs> all right. So what was your question? What was your concern about that? My concern about that, and as mentioned earlier in this podcast, God does not conflict or, you know, trick people or, yeah. or, you know, try to make things uh, confusing for you. He's usually laying things out pretty straight, yeah. especially in the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, this is what it is, and and you better live by it. But here um, you have a prophet who's obviously got a close relationship with God being told two different things, and he follows what he thought God told him and yeah. is punished for it. So, yep. you know, looking into it, it's... It yeah. definitely seems that way. It can seems seem that way. that way. And so, like, looking at this, uh, that's all we know. And so, 
we have to remember, we have to look at the Bible as a whole. So what we do when we're looking at Scripture is we use the clearer passages to help us interpret the less clear passages. Um, We call that Scripture interpreting Scripture. Um, And so uh, we know from other places in Scripture that God... God's character does not change, and so he does not contradict himself, Um, and so he's not, you know, and we know the character of God. He's slow to anger and abounding in love, so if if that's true, um, which we believe, um, then he's not tricking Balaam here. Um, One study Bible that we looked into said, you know, God knows the intentions of Balaam's heart. And so when Balaam goes and saddles up his donkey to go to Balak, um, even though the men were saying, hey, come with us, um, God wanted the intentions to be, I'm only going um, to obey the commands of, of the Lord. I'm not going to go and, you know, entertain Balak and his wishes. I'm only, if I go, I'm only doing it um, to show that I'm only going to obey the commands of God. So something went wrong in Balaam's heart here, and he is not um, thinking in line with the way God wants him to, and that's probably why God is is angry against him at this time. So that's an explanation that a, a comment, like a, a self-study Bible gave, um, but that's all we really know, and we just have to trust God um, with all of that. So we've talked a lot about some difficult things. Um, how do you see this section of Scripture having importance for our lives today? So I- I think with the difficult things in reading this, uh, these chapters, the takeaway for me and and putting it into my life as I move forward is just you got to be all in or not in at all. So if you're going to have faith and you're going to, you know, pursue Christ and pursue God, you have to believe all these things full heartedly. Um, and you know, we were talking moments ago the passage where it talks, the scripture where it talks about, you know, opening up the earth and and swallowing only the men that were against God's will at that time. Yeah. Like, man, think about that image, the earth opening and taking a select few people and sucking them into the cores, the depths of hell and closing it up. Um, that's why they told them to get away from yes. everyone. It's like back away or right. you're going to be swallowed up too. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you look at that image though and it's, I guess, hard to picture. Yeah. But then I was telling you, I feel, I feel and fully believe that Jesus walked on water and, and healed people with a touch of his hand, turned water into wine. And those things are easy to believe. So it's for me, not having so much, um, not having heard the Old Testament stories as much or yeah. growing up be- believing those things just because I hadn't heard them uh, makes it a little harder to look at. But the takeaway for me is I'm believing as a Christian and everything in this book. Yeah. So you either have to believe it all or not believe any of it. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm choosing to believe it all. Mm-hmm. So, um, where it may be hard to picture it actually happening, it says it happened, so it happened. And yeah. and you got to believe that and say, wow, the power of God is amazing. Right. That 
that that stuff can happen. Um, so I think that's my takeaway is just deepening my faith and my trust mm-hmm. and my belief um, and placing it all in this book. And um, whether my my mind now uh, mm-hmm. is thinking it's hard to believe, I'm sure if I was there and saw it, I'd be uh, not really <laughs> Well, they it. still grumbled after seeing Stony. You know, yeah. it all comes back to that. <laughs> And seeing the earth open up. But I think, uh, you know, it takes a lot of guts uh, to just come out in the open and admit that, you know, it is a struggle to um, really comprehend a lot of these things that are happening in this section of Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. There's some wild stuff that goes on, but God calls us to trust him and that his words are faithful and true. And um, yeah, so he doesn't call us to understand and comprehend every single aspect of it it might be hard to see like wow how could that have happened Um, but he calls us to trust him and his word and I I think you you know explain that really well and and there is that uh, struggle between wanting to understand fully and trusting in Jesus and and his power so that's awesome um, my takeaway is is similar to that, um, that God desires for us to trust him. Um, he desires for us to follow him and to not act like um, different parts of what he wants for us are are lesser than others, you know, because the guy picking up sticks on the Sabbath, he might not have thought that was that big of a deal. He's thinking, I'm not, I don't think this is a big deal, but God cares about every single aspect of our lives and, uh, he, he wants what's best for us and that's going to play out in all of the different things we do. So we should not, uh, think that, you know, the little things in life are separate from God's you know, I guess, counsel or provision or authority that God is watching over every single aspect. And he cares about how we follow him in every single part of it. Um, and ultimately, his grace covers everything, um, but we trust in him. It's, it's a process. It's a process um, until that day when Jesus returns. So I think trust is an awesome word for yep. this because there's probably three or more instances in these uh, eight chapters where his people don't trust the path that they're on to take them to the Holy land. Um, yeah. you, know, you think about the serpent story and uh, the uprising where they're swallowed up and it's, it's God continuously showing if you don't trust me, bad things happen, but also like have patience. Yeah. We're going to the Holy land. We're going, yeah. I'm taking you somewhere that it's going to be better than you've ever seen. Right. And I think we can, you know, moving forward, put, put that and take, use that as a takeaway also in our lives. You know, we might say, Oh man, or whatever is going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, this is bad. This is bad. Or why are we going down this path? This, you know, this bread is really not tasty. (laughs) Um, and, and God thankfully doesn't, send serpents into our lives and start biting us. Uh, but he's got that temptation out there, but you just have to trust. Like we said, trust in right. him that we're going to a place a lot better and we just got to continue to follow him and continue to live out his will. 
Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. He's taken us to the ultimate promised land, and uh, we are in the land in between, the wilderness right now. I'm yes, waiting sir. for Jesus to return. Awesome. Dylan, that was that was really, really fun. Some really interesting things came out in our discussion, um, but I want to make it a little bit more interesting. And as always is our tradition at the end of this podcast, we have a random question. And so we nicknamed the guy picking up sticks on the Sabbath, Stoney. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's say, what would your Old Testament wilderness nickname be? <laughs> Interesting. I think I'd probably be a big asset to the, uh, to the team out in the wilderness. I love the outdoors and I can pick up heavy sticks so okay uh i don't know so sticky no okay maybe maybe like uh (laughs) i I wouldn't say hercules i feel like that's a stretch (laughs) oh i see where you're going yeah i I, see where you're going i I would definitely be a provider for the for the tribe they wouldn't a provider for the tribe yeah okay so um loggy sure you know because you pick up logs and I log a lot of miles you log down. a lot of miles all right yeah. loggy um <laughs> my nickname is probably going to be um oh man I don't know what my nickname would be well what do you bring to the table what do I bring to the table life energy enthusiasm craziness sparky sparky amen <laughs> that's a good one sparky and I do like playing with fire. So there you go. All right. Hey, uh, this has been, been, been awesome. If you have questions, uh, just email them into grow up and talk podcast at gmail.com. We will see you next time. Dylan, it's been a pleasure. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you all. Thank you. Appreciate it.